0: Acts chapter sixteen and uh, six through ten. Nineteen ninety two, the uh, un- the uh, International Olympic Committee had made the decision that pro athletes from the United States for the very first time could compete in the Olympics. The argument that the United States had made for years is that the Soviet Union, as well as some other even Eastern uh even some Western European states uh, basically paid their athletes to be in the army or in the military, and then allowed them to just train as Olympians and, and as Olympic competitors. And in 1992 was the first year that they allowed professional athletes, and some of you would remember, that that resulted in the Summer Olympics of what was assembled called the Dream Team. The Dream Team was a basketball team that consisted of Michael, uh, uh, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Charles Barkley, Carla Malone, John Stockton, Patrick Ewing, David Robinson, Clyde Drexter, Scotty Pippen, Chris Mullen, and one college upstart who you would know today, Christian Laettner. These were all brought out to be on the team. They were uh, they uh, be, they were Beatles rock stars when they went. They be, they lost no Olympic game. Uh, uh they uh, they won with nothing more less than 40 points. But a little known fact, their very first game that they played They played against an NCAA squad that probably would have been the Olympians had they stayed amateur, and they lost to them. We're talking about some of the greatest names in basketball, and they lost 62-54 to a bunch of college upstarts. Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, and Magic Johnson were the MVP of the league for 15 years. One of them was the MVP of the National Basketball League, and they lost. And one of the reasons they lost is um, coach, coach K was the assistant coach. Mike Chukeski is the Duke coach. He said uh, that the head coach kind of, um, uh, you know, put in some uh, put in some uh, substitutions and made others sit out and and, you know, and, and through the game. But it really wasn't true. By the time they let the media into the game, the scoreboard was shut off. The problem was, is they were probably the greatest Team ever assembled. That's what some will say. Not not even in basketball, in any sport, the greatest all-star team ever assembled, and they lost because they couldn't gel together. They couldn't. Charles Barkley wanted to prove himself that he he was as good as Michael Jordan. Magic Johnson, he just couldn't get along with John Stockton. And they were clashing and finally it broke down. They ended up having a game where Michael picked his five and, or six and uh, Magic picked his five or six and they actually had a little scrimmage and played off to see who was going to be like top dog. And because of these egos... And maybe rightfully so, they couldn't get it together at first. Eventually they did, they realized what they had, and that they went from individuals to a team. In the text we're going to read, it's very interesting that Paul has the dream, but immediately Luke writes, says, we said, God has called us. So I want to talk to you about, I've got a great idea. Let's do it together. Acts 16, beginning in verse 6, it says, And next Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Pergamum and Galea, and the Holy Spirit prevented them from preaching the word at the province of Asia at that time. Then concerning the borders of uh, uh, Mesha, they headed north towards the province of Bithia. And again, the Spirit did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went through Mesa and to the seaport of Troas. And that night, Paul had a vision from a man from, Macedo- a man from Macedonia in northern Greece, was standing there pleading to him, with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, concluding that God was calling us to preach the good news there. I want to talk to you about one man's dream first and foremost. Paul was a man who wanted to be effective. This is a uh, known fact, a known quantity, if you will, in the apostle's life. He wanted to be effective. In fact, uh, he testifies that when uh, God had uh, knocked him down on the road to Damascus, uh, and he said, Lord, uh, who is it? Uh, and it's, he, the Lord answered and said, it's Jesus whom you persecute. And he, he said in Acts 20, verse 10, I asked, what should I do, Lord? And he told me, get up, go into Damascus, and there will be told everything that you are to do. Paul, that was his whole mentality of life. I want to be effective for God. I want my life to count. I want my life uh, to matter. This is a desire that most people have. They don't want simply just to live. There are some people that are recluse and they could care less if they ever left a mark on this. But most people, they want to know that their life mattered, that it counts that they made an investment, that their life uh, meant something to someone else's. And Paul was one who said, you know what, I persecuted the church. Uh, I came against God and His will, but I want to now use what time and resources I have left for the kingdom of God. I want my life to count. And yet we read here, He's on his second missionary journey. He's uh, this is the se- you know he's uh, he's now not with Barnabas, he's with Silas uh, and they're traveling uh, and they've just launched out. Acts chapter 15 was the meeting uh, in uh, uh, Jerusalem and this is where Paul and Barnabas separated uh, and uh, Barnabas took Mark and some others and they went he went one direction, Paul took Silas and went in another. Immediately meets Timothy uh, to joins with him somewhere Along the line, Luke comes along. It's never really introduced where he comes in. But by this point, it's obvious that he's with us because Luke is now speaking in the first person we and us, not them and they. And so, somewhere along the lines, this is what's happened. So, as Paul is on his second journey, he's frustrated. He's going to one place. And some of these places he would go later and preach and establish churches. But at this particular moment, he feels like he's just hitting a a stone wall. Travel was not easy those days. I mean, until recent time, it really wasn't easy until now. Now travel is very easy. We can zip all over the greater Rochester area. You know, everything's what, about 15, 20 minutes from here, right? I mean, that's just the way it kind of is. It's just the roads are good, and you can zip around half an hour at the max, you know. you would be there. You can be, uh, you know, uh, you can be in Europe uh, in a couple of eight hours, ten hours. Uh, you can be in, uh, you know, Africa, Asia, even uh, a few more hours after that. We can be around the world. Travel is easy. Travel in Paul's day wasn't. He's going here, he's going there. The average uh, uh, would be about 10 miles if they were on foot walking. That would be about what they could accomplish. 10 miles, that would get you, what, to honeyoid Falls about from here? You just walked? That's one day. That's your whole day. I'm sure he felt like it was just stonewalled. They traveled through the upper region of Asia Minor. They went to Galatia. The, you know, eventually there would be a church. We have the letter to the Galatians. But the Holy Spirit prevented them, and we don't know what this means exactly. There's different ideas that maybe he was, you know, uh, checked in his spirit. Others say he may have tried, and it just the door was not opening. The frustration of that, who knows? He's frustrated. The, the term stonewall means to obstruct progress, to impede a, uh, uh, the completion of something, to be uncooperative or even abrasive. That the thought is to stonewall someone. Now, in marriage, when people stonewall, is a very bad sign. Right. That, you know, I'm, you know, just not moving, not no progress, uh, just an obstacle at uh, uh, different problems. But as they're trying to go forward. Feels like God's not helping them. You ever felt that way trying to do something. It's like this stone wall. You're just getting nowhere. There could, there's numbers of reasons. Now one, of course, could be simply sin and disobedience. We have the story of Jonah. God calls him to go to Nineveh. Now, let me give you just a little geographical, uh, lesson here. Nineveh, modern day Iraq, from Israel, that would have been east. He decides, I'm going to Tarshish, which is in Spain, that is west. He's heading in the wrong direction at 150,000 miles an hour. He's going as fast as he can wrong. And so he's disobedient. He's The storm rises up, the problems. And, uh, you know, he's in the bottom of the boat and he's sleeping. Everyone else is panicking on on deck. And he says, no, it's me. Just throw me over. The storm will cease. And they, they plead with him not to do it. And he goes, no, just do it. Just do it. And so they do it. And the storm ceased. And the fish went and he spent three days in there. And for those of you who think it was like Pinocchio that he was sitting on a rib, kinda, you know, bored, just, oh, what am I gonna do? He was probably in a very precarious situation, total pitch black, and it probably smelled in the worst smells that you could imagine. For three days, and then finally God is able to speak to him, and he finally makes the right decision. But that's not the only reason why we hit hard times. Sometimes it's timing. We know that again he would have it Paul would preach in Galatia. He would preach to the Galatians. He there's a time where he would go there and it would be the right time. Maybe this was just the wrong time. That it wasn't the correct opportunity. There's times we talk about God opening doors. Uh, I remember back uh, being very excited about it and and finally actually got a chance to be a part of it when the door opened to Eastern Europe. The The wall, the iron curtain as Winston Churchill had so aptly coined uh, had fallen on the land you couldn't bring uh, the gospel or western uh, you know information into uh, these places and then the doors opened they swung open uh, and people began to go and people began to respond the timing now was right We saw this in China. We had an opportunity. There was a time we got to go in there. I had the privilege of going there once to preach uh, in Guangzhou and some different other places uh, and seeing the openness of the people. uh, But now, because of some other political events and COVID and some other things, the door is now pretty closed. It's difficult. All our missionaries are gone. Thank God for discipleship. We'd still have churches there. We still have people functioning on in the purposes of God. But the door is closed. I had been invited. I was real excited. Many of you remember Pastor Sergei Golubov was here and, and, you know, he's like, Keith, you need to come. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to bring some people. And as soon as COVID settles down, we'll do this and it'll be great and all that. And now with the war in Ukraine, it's just not going to, it's not going to happen. There's a timing issue. There's open doors, there's closed doors. It's just. There might be the possibility that it's the right place and the right time but you're the wrong person. There's good opportunities that come but an opportunity doesn't mean the will of God. An opportunity or an open door just mean it doesn't mean it's the right place. Maybe someone else, somebody else Maybe someone's not ready. Maybe you're not ready. I shared with you, I wanted to go to Ireland back in 1992, and I wasn't ready. 2012, I finally was ready 20 years later. God has to coordinate, and there's all sorts of people involved in things and timing and such. You know, we're coming into Christmas not too long, uh, shortly from now, if you don't believe that, just go into Walmart or Home Depot and you're going to see Christmas stuff already up. Like we haven't even gotten through Halloween yet. But you realize that, you know, the timing of that. There was Mary, there was Joseph. But not only that, there was Simeon and there was... Elizabeth and John and and all the time God was putting it all together at the right moment. Factors, wise men coming from the east who realized the timing of this and such and probably took them two years. I don't personally believe Jesus was two years old when they showed up. But I believe they had started to see the signs two years before. God visits Mary just at the right time. God visits Joseph just at the right time. Elizabeth and Zacchaeus and on and on it goes how God moved. And it was a timing issue. Maybe that's the case. I believe that this is could, could be that God had both. He'd visit these places later. He's not done with them. He's not writing them off. It's not like you all can go to hell. I'm going to Philippi. But maybe God needed Paul at that moment there. He said, I need you over here. So God gives Paul a dream, a vision, a night vision, it says in our text. A man from Macedonia, northern Greece, standing up, pleading with him, saying, come here to Macedonia and help us. God is very faithful to show you what you need to do. You want to ask God what you need to do? He'll show you. This could come through a dream. I've, I believe in dreams. I, I don't believe that you should have a dream every night and different things, and you need to pray about what you need to wear. But I, I do believe God does speak through dreams. I believe he can speak through other people. Sometimes it's just a momentary feeling of inspiration. Sometimes it's circumstances. I love in Genesis where it says that, uh, that uh, uh, Jacob, uh, uh, you know, all of a sudden he realizes his father-in-law's countenance has fallen. Like he's mad. He's ticked at Jacob. And God's able to speak to him at that time. You know what, Jacob? I think it's time to move on. And Jacob's like, mm, yeah, that bears witness to my soul. I don't know if that would have bore witness to his soul earlier. But now, through circumstances, God's able to do it. Sometimes just through his word. Read the word of God. Whatever it might be. But now he has this dream. He sees it. He says, you know what? I know where I need to be. I need to be in Macedonia. I need to be there Preaching the gospel. This is what I need to do right now for the kingdom of God. And so the Bible says that he tells them. He obviously tells Luke and the others there. And what's very interesting is verse 10. It says, and so we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, concluding that God was calling us to preach the gospel or the good news there. Paul tells them, you know what, this is what, it must have bore witness with Paul. It must. He must have said, you know what, God, I feel that's God. You know, some people will question, ah, was that God or not? You know, usually, you know the voice of God. And if you're questioning it, he's faithful to tell you what his voice is or not. You should look for witness. Paul did talk with other people about it. You know, every hair blurring idea you get is not a good idea. There's an old classic fellowship story of two young disciples who come to Pastor Mitchell, and they said, Pastor, we're going to quit our jobs. We're going to... They had a Volkswagen bus. Uh, they were trying to rebuild the engine. I guess it was on the kitchen table. They were trying to rebuild it. And once they had it rebuilt, they were going to put it in the van, and they said, You know what? We're going to Mexico. We're going to preach the gospel to those people. And Pastor Mitchell looked at him and just said, do you speak Spanish? And they no. I says, why don't you pray about that? Not every good idea is good at that moment. It doesn't mean that going to Mexico to preach was a bad idea. Just maybe they maybe needed to learn a little Espanol. See? That would help them out on that. Because there can be, you know, I have great ideas. I just don't necessarily always have the people to help me, the money to do it, or the time to do it. Those can be factors as well. If I had more time and more money, I would do more things. Right? Wouldn't you? If you have more time and more money, would you do more things? Probably. But others bore witness, said this is right. Second Samuel chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. Nathan replied to the king, go ahead and do whatever you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the Lord said to Nathan, go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord has declared. Are you the one to build a house for me to live in? Now, what David tells Nathaniel is, you know what, I'm so excited. I want to build a temple for God. I want to build a permanent house. He's been in tents for too long. I'm going to do this. Uh, And Nathaniel says, man, that's a great idea. That's great. And then he goes home and realizes, no, that's not a good idea. And David has to hear, there's too much blood shed under you. There's sin and different things. And you know what, you're going to not do it. Your son is going to do it. So David then get rallies behind it and assembles all that he can to help. Uh, not every good idea is, good, is the right time, the right place, uh, the right uh, uh, people to do it. But the reality is, is that when you have something and it's God, others will bear witness. That's good. That's God. That's not, that's, mm. did you think this through? Did you think that through? But it says in our text, so we decided. Luke took Paul's dream and said, I'm behind it. I'm with you. I'm going to go with you going to do this. And, And this church, I must say, is fantastic on that. People have come up with ideas for Haunted House, for plays, for music things, for for this outreach, for that outreach, and others have gone, yes, let's, what can I do to help? It's outstanding. Because not everybody's going to have the same idea. Not everybody's going to be on the same plane, if you will. I don't understand some outreaches, but they work. I'm not that talented to do some things that some others are able to do. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. How'd you do that? How'd you come up with that? But they work. Two enemies of this, though, is I have a good idea, you do it. And I'm not opposed to suggestions, and I'm not opposed to people putting in their two cents and saying, you know what, maybe this would work, maybe that would work. But when they come up with this whole plan, this is what we should this is what you should do this you know here's my idea this is yeah or I have an idea, but you can't be a part of it. I'm all for targeted outreaches. I am for targeted outreaches and there's times where you know what maybe the children shouldn't be there for this or the older people or. Maybe it's going to be a ladies' outreach. Maybe that's better that all the guys are there, and maybe it's going to be one of those kinds. There's times for that, yes. But we can miss out if we won't rally behind someone else's idea. Second, First Samuel fourteen seven. Do what you think is best, the armor bearer replied, and this was to Jonathan. I am with you completely, whatever you decide. How many know who Ronald Wayne is? Anyone know who he is? I'm betting he invented a machine that kicks himself in the butt every morning. Because Robert, uh, I'm sorry, Ronald Wayne. Ronald Wayne, not Robert, Ronald. Anyone know who Ronald Wayne is? Okay, didn't change. Ronald Wayne's stint with Apple didn't last very long. It lasted 12 days with the company. He was one of the founders of Apple. But 10 days into it, Wayne had his name taken off the contract and sold back his 10% of the company to uh, Steve Wozak and Steve Jobs for $800. I'm telling you, this man's going to invent a machine that kicks himself in the butt every morning. What were you thinking? What he was thinking was he couldn't get behind these two men's ideas. Yeah, they're, they're crazy. They were crazy. They were crazy enough to try to change the world. You can miss out if you don't rally behind someone else or think that someone else might have a good idea. Might hear from God. Might have an idea for an outreach or a ministry or an event. The other interesting thing is they didn't wait. It says in our text in verse 10. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once. It's not like we decided we're going to talk about this for a few months. Let's have a committee. Let's 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 you know. It's like no. Once they decided it was God. They went all the way. Put things in motion. Right away. The results are fascinating. because it was exactly what God had for him to do pastor Paul Stevens who eventually will come and preach for us he keeps promising me and then telling me he gets another thing like he has a conference to go to or something in Australia like like Rochester's not better than Australia what but anyway so he's he's we do have him scheduled for August of next year but we'll see we'll see I I don't know anyway I'll believe it when the plane ticket is bought but anyway when he was going to Cape Cod, he just he just felt you know didn't want to do it. As asked Pastor Warner kept saying, you know what, you need to go look, think about it, go, go, go. And finally, he did. People had told him, no, nah, it's too vacationy, it's East Coast. You don't want to do this and that and that and this and that. And when he went, he had revival. Within just a year and a half, the church went from first service 13 people to over 250 people. In just a year and a half, two and a half years. Was the time he spent on Cape Cod. Paul goes to Philippi, the team goes there and it says, From there we reached Philippi, the major city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. This is verse 12. And 13. And we stayed there several days. And on the Sabbath, we went to a little way outside the city to a riverbank. And where we uh, thought people would be meeting for prayer, we sat down to speak. And some women who had gathered there, one of them was a woman named Lydia. Lydia would open her house, Lydia would have them come and and stay, and begin to preach, and and in this city, and they began to see people get saved. There was a young girl there, she had a demon. She'd follow him around. These are men of the Most High God who preach the way of salvation. And and eventually, after a couple of days, Paul was kind of vexed with her, because she was a fortune teller. And he casts out the spirit from this girl and she gets totally delivered. And God does a mighty miracle in this young girl's life. But her boss gets very upset because she made she made him money. And now she's not doing her fortune telling thing. And so there's an uprising and it. It's because of these. uh Uh, This boss, it says in verse 20 of Acts 16, the whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. They shouted to the city officials. Now, they were exaggerating. But they, they were upset. They shouted this. They get Paul and Silas arrested. They're taken in. Not everything we do will be without opposition. Not everything we do, everyone is going to like. When I was pioneering, I pioneered Falmouth, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, to me it's a miracle that actually a church got started there. But, uh, you know, we were just a punk, punk-faced punk 20-year-old kids, 21-year-old kids when we went there. And we, so the first thing I did, I knew what to do, was have a concert. Well, the concert happened to be down by the harbor where all the upper crusty totty tots park their yachts. And yes, I said it in Boston. Because they're packing their yachts right there in Falmouth Harbor. And they're going to, you know, have their party on the weekend there. And all of a sudden, there's a Christian band playing. And so I had to go down and fight for this. The first, I put in my application, they said no. So I had to go down. I had to sit down with the town council, three men, and a little local newspaper, some young man who calls himself pastor. Still have the article somewhere, don't we? In a scrapbook somewhere? Calls himself pastor, you know. Had to explain to them that the First Amendment didn't allow them to stop me from using it if they allowed others to use it. And they happen to have to agree with me and they have to have me ha- they had to let me have it. And I got not one day, but two. And so I went down and we had our concert there, and uh people were uh complaining beforehand, they were complaining during, and they complained after. I went down to talk to them on the day of the second concert, and somebody was already complaining. They're gonna be too loud, they're gonna be too loud. I'm like, yep. <laughs> it's rock and roll. It is loud. But anyway. They had problems. They get arrested. But they didn't quit because there was resistance. They get arrested. The earthquake happens. The jailer and his family get saved. Then the city officials find out that they're Roman citizens. They come back and they apologize. And they're like, you can go. And they're like, no, 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 no. You publicly flogged this. You publicly made this a scene. You are publicly going to apologize for this. And so the city officials realized they had to do that. And they went out. And they made it right. This is all because Paul had a dream. And Luke says, we decided we should go. God was calling us. This church becomes a major blessing to Paul's life. This became one of the most liberal churches to help him preach the gospel in other places. Philippians 4.15, as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave to me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled from, uh, traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Finance the Corinthian church. Financed the Thessalonican church. Over and over. They would give so that they, because somebody had a dream. Others said, I'm with you. And now the lasting fruit of that. Another name you probably don't know is Samuel Langley. Samuel Langley was a 20th century. Inventor who had a dream of flying. He wanted to invent an aircraft. He had the army behind him. He was given $50,000. In 1900, $50,000 was lots of money. By the war department. To figure out his flying machine. Money was not a problem. He held a seat on Harvard. And worked in the Smithsonian. Was extremely well connected. Knew all the best minds of the day. He hired. Some of them. Because money was not a condition. And others. Were just behind the. The. The amazing fantasticness of this to create a flying machine. The New York Times followed him everywhere, and everybody was rooting for Langley. A few hundred miles away, though, in a little town called Dayton, Ohio, a couple of brothers were bicycle mechanics. They had no money, Paid for everything with out of their bicycle shop. They had not a single person on their team had a college education. Not even Orble, Orville or Wilbur, and the New York Times never followed them around. The difference was, Orville and Wilbur were driven by a purpose, a belief, and a dream. They believed that they could figure out how to make a flying machine and change the course of the world. Samuel Langley was different. He wanted to be rich. He wanted to be famous. He wanted to pursue selfish ambitions. And lo and look what happened. The Wright brothers fulfilled the dream with their blood, sweat, and tears. Langley... On December 17th, 1903, when the Wright brothers took flight without experience, when he found out a few days later that his theories were all wrong, he said these words, "At at that amazing discovery, guys, and we'll improve on things in your technology. But he didn't. He didn't get rich. He didn't get famous. So he quit. He was in it for himself. So he quit. But the Wright brothers changed the world. We can go anywhere. You can go down to Rochester International Airport and be anywhere else in the world in about 30 hours. That's fascinating. Anywhere else in the world. From Australia to China to Argentina. You can be and just... From Paul walking 10 miles a day. Now we can go anywhere. Could you rally. Behind someone else's vision. Dream. Ministry. Opportunity. Could you actually get a part of that? Could you grab a hold of that? Many of you have done this before. You'll do it again. Take it as encouragement. But think about the fruit that came. One man had a dream. Others said, we are with you. And the absolute expansion of the kingdom of God because of that vision. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. You're here tonight, and maybe you're not right with God. Maybe you think you're going to be self-made. You're going to be the one who Figures it all out. But tonight, honestly, you realize you failed. You can't. Jesus is reaching out to you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to help you. He wants to save your life. And if you're here tonight, that's you. You're not right with God. Or maybe you're backslidden away from God. You need to come back. Lift up your hand very quickly. Pray for me, preacher. I need to get my heart right. Anyone at all. I'm going to move on in just a moment that's you not saved backslidden changing the call then to Christians could you rally behind someone else's dream, ministry, vision opportunity God gave Paul the vision but Luke says God called us we had to go He made him, he put himself in that place. And as we do that, God will help us. Let's all stand. These altars are open. We're going to worship God. We're going to sing What song. My Jesus, this is my desire. Father, we love you, God. We worship you. We thank you, God. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God.